like to begin this morning with something from my favorite cartoon strip, Peanuts. You know, Peanuts, Snoopy, Charlie Brown, and the gang. In this comic strip, we have a conversation. I have to turn it on first. There you go. A conversation between Linus and his big sister, Lucy. Apparently, Linus must have told Lucy what he would he want to be when he grow, grow up, grows up. To which Lucy re- replied, saying, You a doctor? Ha! That's a big laugh. You could never be a doctor. And you know why? Because you don't love mankind. That's why. To which Linus replied with these words, But I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. You know, every time I look at this, I just chuckle. Because I could relate to Linus. And I think many of us can relate to him, to him as well. You see, the world in general is easy to love. Save the whale, save the koala, save the kangaroo. You know, yes, I would love to. That, I mean, it warms my heart. And then we start thinking of people. We're thinking of specific people. Well, that's a different story, isn't it? It's much more difficult. To love people. You know, the Apostle Paul found this to be true as well among the Corinthian believers. The church in Corinth have this same problem. You know, don't get me wrong, the church in Corinth is a wonderful church. If you were to live at that time and you're looking for a church to attend, you want to go to the church in Corinth. You know, they're very gifted. It's a church that that has so many gifted people able to do this. Uh, and, and they're gifted in teaching. They got wonderful teachers to teach the Word of God. And they got lots of activities going on in this church that, that, that is being done by brothers and sisters. But one thing they are missing, one thing that is lacking, they're lacking in love. It tells us that it is easier to keep correct teaching than it is to be loving. If you look at the church in Corinth, it is easier to be active in church, to do this, to volunteer for that, than it is to be loving. Yet that is the most important characteristic that God demands of His people, and that is to love. That's why Paul wrote... 1 Corinthians. That's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your Bibles with, with you, which I hope you do, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, some of you, as you're turning there, probably even memorize 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the most beloved, even well-known part of Scripture. It's called the what? The love chapter. And, and, and in fact, if you even non-Christian love 1 Corinthians 13. This is considered to be one of the, the greatest uh, poem or, or, or literature ever written concerning love. Not just from a religious point of view, but from any. You know, it's just so, so lofty and so, so, so eloquent. And we use this most of the time in what context? Marriage, in weddings. I mean, I've done weddings, many weddings, and, and the couple asked, could you read 1 Corinthians 13? Could you share briefly from this? And, and rightfully so, the application 
is valid. And it is done for marriage counseling or, or, or in a Valentine's message, 1 Corinthians 13. But is that what Paul, why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13? What is the context of 1 Corinthians 13? Well, you'll be surprised to find out Paul wasn't doing a Valentine's message when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. He was not doing counseling for couples. You see, Paul was telling the church, the church in Corinth, that they should serve one another out of love. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter before 1 Corinthians 13, what was it all about? Paul is telling the church, Church, do you know that you are gifted? Each one of us, the moment we put our faith in Jesus, a special ability, not just one, maybe some of you have several gifts from God, that you are gifted so that you could use that to share, to serve one another in the body of Christ. You are gifted. And if you don't know what your gifts are, find out. You know, all of us love to know we, we have a gift. You know, find out, get that gift. You know, not that get it, you already have it. Find out what it is. That's 1 Corinthians 12. Two chapters later, chapter 14, Paul is telling the same group, saying, now that you are gifted, now that you know that, that you have special abilities to serve one another, use it. Don't just sit on it. Don't just kind of admire it. Use those gifts to be a blessing to the body of Jesus Christ. And smack in the middle of this two chapter is chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. Let me ask you this. What do you think 1 Corinthians 13 is there for? You are gifted, use your gift. I think it's quite obvious. When you use your gifts, when you serve each other, don't forget, don't neglect. Always remember to serve each other out of love. The proper attitude, the proper motivation, the proper, I mean the power to serve each other must be love. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And there are three things that we can learn that is crucial in significance that I'd like to share with you this morning from 1 Corinthians 13. So this is not your typical love message. Actually, this is more of the contextual message of 1 Corinthians 13, not the inspirational talk of this passage. But three things the Apostle Paul wants us to be reminded and not forget. Number one, serving with love is essential. It is mandatory. It is required. You must have love when you serve. Reminds me of a, of a commercial of a credit card company a long time ago, for those of you who remember. And whenever they end their commercial, they remind people, don't leave home without it. I won't mention what credit card that is, but it's so catchy. Don't live home without, don't forget, when you leave the house, always have this. I think the principle applies with 1 Corinthians 13. Don't even consider leaving home or doing something without love. That's the first thing, because it's essential. Number two, serving with love is effective. It gets the job done. You know, when you do something, I don't know, will it work or not? We don't know. But if you do it with love, 
the effect of it, the result of it, you can be sure of it. It will get the job done. It's effective. Thirdly, serving with love is enduring. It will last. You see, whatever you do, you know, it could, it could have an effect now for one hour, maybe one day, one month. But what if I tell you if you do something and it will have eternal effect or result? Wow, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you want to be part of something that has eternal significance? Paul said, when you serve with love, it will endure. You know, I could stop here and say, okay, guys, that's it. That's the message. Let's go home. <laughs> I mean, I hope you catch that, but that's the summary. Let's kind of unpack it briefly this morning, shall we? Let's look at each one of them briefly from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First of all, serving with love is essential. The first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Why? Why should we serve with love? Because it's so critical. Don't even think of serving without love. Verse 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I'm so eloquent, if I have the capability of angelic beings to speak, impressive as it is, but do so without love. Paul said, I've become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Now let me stop there for a second. I want to confess to you, I love cymbals. I love the percussion instrument, you know, clashing of cymbal. In fact, I, I said, you know what, if I'm part of an orchestra, I, I don't know if I mentioned to Marty, you know, I would love to be this, the person that clashed the cymbal. You know, usually it's what? It's usually climactic. And it, it's, it's a fantastic sound, clash, right? And uh, it gets the attention. You know, uh, we were having our life group at Lido, uh, re a restaurant at, at Z Square, and the lion dancers start coming, right? And you know what are the instruments they use? You know, the drums and the cymbal, clash, 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 clash. You know, wow, you could hear it from a distance. And they're coming, they're coming, it's exciting. And it came to the restaurant where it actually, they actually did it in the restaurant that we're, we were in. You know, clash, 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 clash. You know, I can tell you the, the, the beginning of the first minute or so, it's exciting. You know, the sound of the cymbals. After a minute, you know, especially if, it, if it's right near you, what's the sound of the cymbal to you or to us? It gets a little bit irritating, isn't it? Clash, 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 clash. Listen to that for five minutes, you know. You know, hopefully not ten minutes. It gets what? Annoying to the point that you can't stand it. Stop it. I don't want to hear it anymore. So it is when we do things, when we serve others and do so without love. I mean, when it starts, people appreciate it. But the longer you do it, people get annoyed to the point that they can't stand it. Ever had people try to help you? But they don't bother, they don't care to know how you feel or even what you think. Have you have experience like that? Somehow to, to these helpers, what you think, what you feel is not important. But what they think, how they feel, now, now you better pay attention. Better take note of that. Remember how it is to be on the receiving end of that. It could come from parents, well-meaning parents. 
could come from a friend, could come from a teacher or boss. They want to help. But you know what? They just, you, you could tell it's not out of sincere care or love for you. Remember how their help come across? In the beginning, it sounds rather condescending, isn't it? Your feeling, your thoughts, no big deal. Soon it becomes what? Rather arrogant. I want to help you. Remember, I want to help you. Okay, don't forget that. And soon it becomes rather offensive. You know what? You could keep your help. Thanks, but no thanks. You see, without love, our service becomes annoying, irritant. People can't stand it because there's no love. Secondly, Paul said, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, wow, but have not love, I am nothing. Imagine if any one of us here this morning can predict when Ta'al Volcano will erupt again. You know what? I know. I, I got the math down. I got it. Or what if any one of us here found the cure for the, the coronavirus disease? Wow. Or you could do a lot of incredible feats. Imagine what difference you can make. I mean, you'll be an instant celebrity. You'll be in all the talk show you know, that is out there. You may even win the Nobel Prize. You could publish a book. You'll be a celebrity. You, you've got it made, isn't it? But according to the Apostle Paul, in God's economy, without love, you amount to nothing. Simply useless in the big picture of things. Not that these things are bad. I hope someone can predict when volcanic eruption can happen. I hope someone can find cure for diseases. But then the Apostle Paul wants us to ask, why? What are they for? What are the, you know, what, you know, what's the reason? What is the motivation behind? Because it makes a difference. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine, someone I considered one of the brightest, most intelligent person I've ever met, who works at the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory in Berkeley, California. And I remember when, <coughs> when I was pastoring in Los Angeles, whenever he comes, Berkeley is up in the San Francisco area, whenever he comes home, his family lives in Los Angeles, he would come to my church. Wow, you know, he's a really smart guy. Now, if you don't know what the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory is, it is the top nuclear laboratory of the U.S. Defense Department. And if you're not impressed with that, they produce the next generation of bombs and weapons for the U.S. military. Wow. I mean, you got to be the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest to get into this institution. I remember one day, you know, in a conversation with this friend of mine telling him, wow, <laughs> you know, it must feel great waking up every day, dressing up and going to work in a place like that. And I can never forget his response. He said, Pastor, <laughs> not really. Not really. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to be modest with me or what? He said, I'll tell you why. You know, it's hard to stay motivated when what you do is to destroy people and property. When what you do, the 
end result is to build bigger and better bombs to kill, to destroy. Now, I mean, there is a case for defensive use of it. But at the end, why are you doing what you're doing? You see, it's to destroy. And you know what? It's not, if you think about it, it's not motivating. I mean, it just dulls you. Let me ask us, when, we, when you look at what you do and why you do it, is it to build people up? Is it to help people? You know what? It can go a long way. Or is what you're doing to tear people down, to destroy others? It makes a whole lot of difference. You see, without love, what we do, even our, our service for others, ultimately amounts to nothing. And finally, the Apostle Paul went on to say, And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I do so without love, it profits me nothing. You're not impressed with how smart I am? You're not impressed with what I do? Well, hey, huh, what if I give everything that I have? Wow, wouldn't you be impressed? Well, what if I give my body? I die for, for a cause. Now, wouldn't that be impressive? Wouldn't that count for something? To which the Apostle Paul again will say, what for? Why? Out of love? Without it? Nothing. Zero. As far as God's economy is concerned. I hope we learn at least two lessons in these first three verses. As far as God is concerned, it's not as much as what you do. Now, it's very important. But why you do it? Why are you doing it? And secondly, if the why that you're doing it is to build others up, then there will be spiritual dividends. There will be spiritual blessings that will come along with it. I love what someone says. Love is the currency of heaven. I love that. Keep that in mind. Love is the currency. It's the value that is exchanged around uh, those who... Who, who long to be in the presence of God, who walks with God. Love is the currency of heaven. That's what is the most valuable. So before we serve, in all that we do, stop. Ask yourself, is this out of love? Am I doing this because I truly care? That I want to build others up? You see, if not, then our service will not profit and amount to anything and our, ser our service will even be offensive ultimately to others. Serving with love is essential. Don't leave home without it. Secondly, serving with love is effective. Effective. I use the word effective here in two ways. First of all, when something Effect something effective it means there's an action along with it it is not just a thought it is not just a feeling when something is affected you know affected you know something is done to it it's an action that is love you know when you look at first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 to 7 you know as you read this passage many of us read it in, uh, in what, is, what is called adjectival point of view. This passage describes love. 
okay? It's a description of love. If you read this in the original Greek, the language that the Apostle Paul uses, they're not adjectives. You know what they are? They're all verbs. Verbs. You know what verbs are, right? Action words. Love is this, love is this. It's not, Paul is not describing love. He's telling you what love does. Love is an action. Now, it could start off as a thought, but it ultimately leads into action. Like, for example, I mean, something, if you look at it, love suffers long. Love is patient. Now, it sounds like a description, an adjective. I think a better way to underscore its verbal uh, nuance is to add the word being. Love is being patient. Okay? It's not thinking about patience. It's not considering... Love is being patient, the act of being patient. Now, that's love. The second one, love is kind. Now, for us, it's a description. Well, it's being kind. It's a, a, a thought. Paul said, uh, 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 love is being kind. When you act out of kindness, there's love. And all of this, from verse 4 all the way to 7, it's one action after another. You see, serving with love is effective. It, there's action that comes out of it. You feel like, wow, I really love my family. I really love to help uh, people who are in need. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? You know, you think, you feel that way. But Paul would ask you, well, what did you do about it? Nothing. Well, then, then that's not enough. That's kind of getting into love. You're getting close but that's not love. Because if you say, I really care about those in need, I really love them, well, what did you do? Well, I helped them. I saw their need and I am able to meet that need, so I helped them there. I was loving towards them. That's what the Apostle Paul would say. Love, serving with love is effective. It gets something done. It's an action. And I, I, I emphasize this because we live in a time when we talk about love, it's what? It's an emotion. I feel love. Wow, I'm, I'm, I feel loving. Well, did you do anything? No, I just feel good. I'm, I feel loving. Paul would say, you know what? I'm glad you feel that way, but that's still not quite enough. That's not biblical love. That's not what love, when God thinks of love, there's got to be action. And I guess a, a good way to, to, to kind of illustrate this is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Wow, I'm so glad God loves the world, right? He thinks of you. He, he really thinks fondly of you. And you could just stop there and we just kind of, wow, hold our hands and feel good about it. But that would do us no good, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave. There was an action that came with that love. That made that love what it is. And so it is for us. So I, and, and, and I'm not going to go through each one of this. Normally in a message like this, okay, let's talk about each of these characteristics. I want to challenge our life groups to, maybe in one of your life groups, to just look at each of the characteristics of each of these action of love and then discuss it. They're not hard to, to understand. They're fairly straightforward. Not only do you need to remind yourself, but then you start asking, have I been doing this or not doing this? And then you could start to reflect 
on whether you are truly loving or not. But this morning, I just want to underscore how these are action. Love in the Bible is actions. You know, obviously it comes out of a desire to be helpful, to build others up. These are what you do. But the second thing about the word effective, you know, when you say something is effective, what are you saying? Well, it gets the job done, you know. Uh, well, the, the plan that we put together is effective. It, the result is good. When we serve with love, it will be effective. It will get the job done. But to serve without love, well, that's another story. We don't know. Now, it may be effective, but we don't know. But serving with love will be effective. It will get the job done. You know, I, when I look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. Uh, uh, I'm convicted. I'm inspired, but I'm convicted because I know, you know, I'm not what God expects of me. You know, maybe the beginning, you know, God, uh, love suffers long. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm a fairly patient person. Kind? Well, depends <laughs> on the situation. You ask my wife when I drive around Metro Manila, uh, I may be rather unkind sometimes to those who cut in front of me, but generally I'm kind. But then as I go down that list, especially to verse 7, by the time I get to verse 7, I say, God have mercy on me, a sinner, because I'm not these. These qualities is not in my life. You need to help me. And I feel that that's, that's at the end of the day, that's how it works. It's not to kind of see how much, how high we are. At the end, we realize we cannot be all of this without the help of God. God, you got to help me be patient. God, you got to help me be kind. God, you got to help me not be envious. I need your help. And it's so wonderful that God would do that if we turn to Him. Lord, I really need this. I need you to... Help me not to be boastful about things that I am blessed with. Lord, how do I do that? And many times what the Lord placed in my heart is, take your eyes away from yourself. You know, about your strength, your going. Put your eyes on me. And then when I'm angry, when I, I'm impatient with someone, the formula is still the same. Don't focus on that person that made you mad, that made you angry. Fix your eyes on me. And as we fix our eyes on the Lord, guess what? You realize you're not that angry. Well, because you're not thinking of that person. Yeah, that's part of it. Every time you think of the person you're angry, it just kind of agitates you. Don't. Think of the Lord. And you know what happens when you think about the Lord? Soon you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have faults against the Lord too, you know. I think I did things that I don't think the Lord will be happy about. Lord, I'm sorry. And then the Lord reminds you, I forgave you. I love you. I forgave you. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And somehow that kind of puts into perspective. I'm not that good of a person after all as I, that I think. But it's so wonderful. We have a gracious and a good and a loving God. And then as that thing goes on inside my heart and I look back to my original situation with a person that, that I can't get along with and something changed now. You see, I'm no longer up there and they're down here. I'm kind of 
seeing myself in the same level. And I see how God has been loving to me. How could I be not loving towards others? And somehow the same enabling power that God has placed in me is now at work with that person. And that's, as I look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, God is saying, if you respond out of love as I have loved you, whatever you do, it will get the job done. So do so out of love. In essence, love is simply being what God is to us. What God has done to us, we simply follow it. We simply do as God do. That is what loving is. So serving with love is essential. Don't leave home without it. Serving with love is effective. It gets the job done. And who doesn't want to be effective? We live in a time of increasing demand for efficiency and effectivity. You want to? Consider love. Finally, serving with love endures. It will last. It will continue. And we see this in verses 8 to 13. You know, I, uh, let's see. Because of time, uh, let me just give you a summary of verses 8 to 13, and then I'll probably uh, match it with a few thoughts here. How can we summarize this along, from 8 to 13, a beautiful description of, of the nature of love. But if we could sum it up, what exactly 8 to 13 is all about, it could sum in one sentence. It's the first sentence of verse 8. Love never fails. The word fail there means it will not collapse. It will not fall apart. The word fail there means it will not be terminated. It will not come to an end. I love that. Whatever is done with love will not fall apart. Whatever is done with love will not come to an end. It will continue. Somehow the result of it will amaze you. It will go beyond what you expect. That's the idea of the Apostle Paul. You know, he goes on in verse 8 to talks about the gifts. He gave three examples, the gift of prophecy, the tongue, and knowledge. Do you know those three gifts are what the Corinthians love the most? Oh, I wish I have the gift of prophecy. I mean, I don't know about you. Wouldn't you want to be able to predict the future, to know future things, prophetic things, I mean, uh, that's incredible, isn't it? Lord, could you give me the gift of prophecy? Because I'm very, I like that. It's very impressive. Paul said, you know what? You think that's good? Don't ask for prophecy because it will done away. It will be done away. It will cease. Or you say, oh, okay, the volcano will erupt at this time. It did. Woohoo! Okay, next. That's it. All right. Oh, how about tongues? You know, I could speak many languages. I remember growing up, my father, one of the things I remember from my father is, you know, you know, do you know how many languages Dr. Jose Rizal can speak? Two, three? No, he can speak Japanese, Chinese, German, French. You know, he's multilingual. And the point there of my father is, be like Jose Rizal, multilingual, and see what, you know, uh, you know uh, what advantage that can be. You know, the Greeks, they love multiple linguistic ability. They're impressed by the Lord, could you give me tongues? And Paul said, you know what? As good as tongues are, it will also cease. 
You know, today we have computers now, right? I mean, those gadgets now. <laughs> you know, you speak to it, and then they speak in the language that, 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 you know, we don't need, well, I mean, we still need linguists, but there are technology that can do that, so, you know, so what? Now, finally, the Greeks said, remember, the, the Corinthians are Greeks. They love knowledge. They love learning. Plato, Aristotle, you know, Socrates, you know, how many, you know, anyone here with master's degree? Well, psh, those are good. Well, I have PhD. Wow, how many? The Greeks, when you come to their circle, that's very important to them. And, and, and knowledge is good. But Paul said, it will be done away too. Okay, you want prophecy, tongues, knowledge, and those things have expiration dates. You know what? One thing that, that doesn't have expiration dates that will go on? Love. So whatever gifts, you don't have prophecy, you don't have tongues, you, have, you don't have knowledge, it's okay. You have gifts of service, you have gifts of music, good. Put love into it, and it has no expiration dates. The result of it, the effect of it, it will not collapse. It will not be terminated. It will go on. So serve with love because to do so, it will be enduring. And the rest of the verse Corinthians 13, it talks about finding that which is the perfect, that which is the ultimate. Love is what the Apostle Paul had in mind. And the last verse, verse 13, which many of us, it's a wonderful scripture. But now faith, hope, and love abides these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now it's just wonderful, isn't it? It exalts the thought of love. No one would say no to it. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Have you ever thought about, isn't faith important? I mean, we come to church, we tell you to have faith. Isn't hope important? Why did Paul say the greatest is love? Well, let me just give you my thought on it. Well, faith is what? Believing without seeing, right? So do you have faith in Jesus? Yes. You don't, because you don't see Jesus, so you have to have faith. Trust that He is truly there. That's faith. You have faith, it pleases God. Well, let me ask you this. When you get to heaven, do you need faith? Who's going to be in heaven? Well, Jesus is there. You're going to see Jesus. Do you need to have faith? Uh, no. All right, so faith is gone. Once we get to heaven, you don't need faith because God is there, the presence of our Lord Jesus, and you don't have to have faith, so to speak, in heaven. All right? How about hope? Well, hope is wonderful. You look forward to be with the Lord, to be in the presence of God, to be in heaven. Once you get to heaven, do you need hope? Well, we're there already. We don't need hope. Faith, hope has expiration dates. But love, it's good now. It's good for eternity. The greatest of these, as good as faith and hope, the greatest of these three virtues is love. So, commit yourself. Give yourself. Whatever you do, make sure love is there. Because if you do it, the result will have significance, not just now, but for eternity. Serving with love is essential. Don't leave home without it. Serving with love is effective. It gets the job done. And that's what we want. Serving with love is enduring. The result 
continues. It lasts. It will not end. Love, something done in love, will not fail. It will get its effect done, not just for now, but for eternity. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you consider love absolutely essential? Is that something like before, many of us, we are in different types of ministry. Let me just think about it. I'm going to teach Sunday school. I'm going to even help with some ministry. Am I doing it out of love? Lord, would you help me do out of love? There'll be someone who really needs this, and, I, and this is an, an act out of love for that person. I'm going to donate to this cause. I truly love and care for them. The money is just a, an extension of that love. I want to pray for them. I want to continue to follow up on them. Because that's love. Do we consider love absolutely essential? Is that something that we is part of what we do as we serve each other in the Lord? Secondly, do you express love? I mean, many of us, again, we think of it, we want to, but sometimes we don't lead it into action. Like, for example, we heard about the Ta'al volcano or even the companion of the poor they have an organization there and if it if god tugs your heart it's wonderful you feel compassion you you feel a sense of 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 of, of you know what you know these are uh, uh, you know what god bless them and it's wonderful but then after studying first corinthians the apostle paul would come to each one of us well what did you do about it now again you know it doesn't mean it's just giving money to assuage your conscience or what Ask yourself, what did I do when the Lord placed in my heart to be loving? That's a fair question. What did I do? What is the effect that happened when I say I love? That's very important. And finally, is it something that endures? I mean, another way to look at this is when we love, is it, is it only for a temporal season? You know, okay, I love you. You love me now. Okay, uh, we, we, we'll, that's wonderful. Are we seeing it for an eternal uh, result of it? And the only way you could think of it from an eternal would be in a sense of, of truly loving this person so that they would know God and know Christ. You know, if I, if I help someone in a physical need, well, let's carry it all the way. Do you know Jesus so that you would know of His love forever? Is that something we do? Do we love enough to share Jesus to someone because that is the ultimate act of love. And that is to tell them of how God loves them and want to spend eternity with them. In closing, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, right? I mean, it's good. Use it for Valentine's, you know. Uh, not, nothing wrong with that by way of application. Don't worry. Use it for weddings, for anyone getting married soon. 1 Corinthians 13 is wonderful. But I hope that when the next time you look at 1 Corinthians 13, remember that the original purpose, the, the, the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is this. Serve one another in love. When you are part of the body of Jesus Christ, make sure you're doing something to be a blessing to each other. And the motivation of that is because of love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. And if you are not doing either one of those, if you are not serving, or if you're serving but you do so with love, then you better study again 1 Corinthians 13 because that 
is what Paul wants us to do. That's doing the will of God in our life. And may God help us to serve one another in love. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for starting it all. Thank you for loving. Thank you that you didn't, it was not just a feeling on your part. It was not just a thought that you had to love us, but it is love that led to an action where you gave your son for us. And it was what he had done that enabled us to have life, not just life for now, but life for eternity with you. Lord, may that same model of love be what we live for each day. To love in action, to love for that which will last into eternity. And we confess, O oh God, that if it is not with your help, with your, your strength and your enabling power, we, can't, we cannot live 1 Corinthians 13, O oh God, because we are selfish, we are self-seeking. We want to promote ourselves, lift up each other up, rather than others and most importantly you. So God, would you help us? Would you convict us? Could you change us? so that we may love as you love, so that we may be a blessing to others and may glorify you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name.